Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, It is good to be back. Uh, Last week I was preaching at a friend's church in New York uh, City, or just outside of the city, a Redemption Community Church, and... um, it's a good time there with my family and with some friends, and we were uh, so glad to be able to, to go do that. But last week, Pastor Aaron uh, gave a great message, completing our Heroes and Villains message series uh, by talking about Mordecai and talking about honor. It was a really good message, so Aaron, thank you for that. But uh, I am glad to be here today. I miss my church family. As much as I love to go visit other places, there's no place like home, right? Thanks, Dorothy. So um, I I love being back, and I'm glad to be here today. I'm excited for what today is going to be because we're starting a brand new message series for our summer called Created. Um, And this is something I'm particularly excited about because all month long, we're going to be exploring the book of Genesis, um, you know, to explore all the stories. How many of you guys know that Genesis is a really long book. It actually has 50 chapters, and we're going to cover all 50 of those chapters. We're not going to read word for word because that would be impossible across 13 weeks, but we are going to cover a lot of different stories uh, throughout, and we're going to weave it together, and it's going to be really exciting. And at the same time, our kids in EC Kids are actually going to be following along with us on kind of their own pace and maybe some different stories than we're talking about, but they are beginning a series today as well called called Genesis, or stories in Genesis. And we wanted you to know that, that our kids' ministry is not just a babysitting service. What they are is a place where they're learning to follow Jesus and understand who it is, who Jesus is, and, and how to, to grow up in faith in a relationship with him. So they are walking through Genesis with us as well. And so uh, we're beginning that today, and here's a few goals for the summer, because we're going to be spending uh, the entire summer in the book of Genesis, and here's a few goals that I have for us for the summer to kind of begin with. Number one, I want us to get a stronger understanding of the origins of biblical concepts, and here's, you're going to see a, um, we're going to see a, a thread or a pattern that is going to emerge throughout Genesis, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but the things that we believe, the things that we love to talk about, redemption and healing and blessing, all of those things, right? And, and even the concept of who Jesus is and what Jesus has to offer to us all begins in the book of Genesis. And so the origins of the things that we love about our faith begin in Genesis. And so uh, part of what I want to do today or throughout this month and throughout the entire summer is really to get a better context and understanding of the origins of biblical concepts. Uh, a lot of us in Hollywood, right, when we love to watch movies, we have our favorite stories. We love origin stories too, right? Backstories of, of why, where things came from. And that's what Genesis is all about. Number two, our second goal for the summer is I think I'd like for us to get a clearer picture of who God is and what he is like. This is a question I think that many people all over the world are searching for, whether they know it or not. Who is God? What is God like? And how do we interact with him? And the story of Genesis that we see is a picture of what God is like, his character, his personality, how he wants to interact with humanity, and how he wants us to interact back to him. A lot of that is found in the book of Genesis. And number three, our third goal is to understand how we can relate. This is the question of life, isn't it? What is my purpose here? Why do we exist? If God did 
did create human beings, why did he do it? And that's really the question that we're asking throughout this entire series. Why did God create us and what were we created for? And so we're going to be exploring the book of Genesis throughout the next 13 weeks. And I encourage you to read it on your own. I kind of did a little bit of a quick math. If you started today and then by the time the end of the summer came along, if you just read one chapter a day, one, that's it, one chapter a day, you'll be able to get through the entire book of Genesis throughout this summer. And I encourage you to do it because we don't have the ability or the time to be able to read all 50 chapters here. We will be covering a lot of scripture, but I want you to get the whole picture. And we're going to thread one kind of arc throughout the entire throughout the entire summer, but I encourage you to follow along with us at your own pace while and 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 have some time with the Lord yourself in the morning, maybe on your lunch breaks or however you could do it. But I encourage you to read just one chapter a day and follow through the entire book of Genesis with us throughout the summer. All right. So our message today is going to be divided into two pieces. The first is I want to give you guys a high-level understanding of what Genesis is in the first place. Because I think and in order for us to be able to have any clue about what's happening for the rest of the summer in the context and the history, you need to understand some of where it came from and what its purpose is. That's the first half of the message. And then the other half is going to be we're going to read the first two chapters of Genesis today uh, and, and learn about the creation story itself. And then we're going to have a little bit of commentary at the end of it before we finish off our service. So that's what we're doing today. So let's get started with Genesis. Now, Genesis is a story of beginnings and of generations. It is a story of beginnings and generations. In fact, the word Genesis that we get, so like at the very beginning of the book of the Bible, you see in bold type it says Genesis, right? It actually is a Hebrew word, Bereshit. Everybody say that with me, Bereshit. There you go. You guys speak Hebrew. It is literally translated as beginnings. So the book of Genesis is about beginnings. But actually, the word Genesis is not a Hebrew word. It's actually a Greek word, which is genesios. Everybody say genesios. You guys are looking, learning all sorts of languages today. Now, genesios means origin. It means source generation, beginnings. And actually the word that we see Genesis there is translated from the Hebrew word toledot. Everybody say toledot. Excellent. And that word literally means generation. So what we see is that the book of Genesis is a history of origins. It is a history of births, of genealogies, and of generations, all telling the story of God's creation, but asking this question, why? If you've ever read scripture and you've gotten through and you see this person was the son of this person and the son of this person and the son of this guy and the son of this guy and he did this and he did that and all of these stories, they're there for a reason to give us context. And the question we ask is why? What is the purpose of the book of Genesis? Well, here's what I wrote down. It is to tell the story of who God is, who we are as humans, the trouble that we get ourselves into because of sin and how God intervenes and changes the course and the outcome of history in that moment. What we see in the story of Genesis is the beginnings, the origins of who we are as people, who God is, what he created us for. It tells the story of the problems that we still get ourselves in today and the beginnings of where Jesus came from and ultimately how God intervened in those moments to bring us why we're here today in the first place. We see all of that in the book of Genesis. Now here's what we're going to do 
this month and throughout the summer, we're going to span 50 chapters, starting in the Garden of Eden, ultimately going through the story of Noah, to Abraham, to his son Isaac, and ultimately to Jacob, and then his 12 sons who then go on to become the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And then ultimately leads to Jesus. We will follow along throughout the story to see God's character and how he fulfills his promises. And so here's some key words that I want you to pay attention to. We're going to see this all throughout. Every week that we're going through the book of Genesis, here's a couple key concepts, okay? The first one is this, beginnings and blessings. You're going to see in Genesis that God created things. He plants seeds for things. He says, I'm going to do something. And then ultimately we watch as he begins to fulfill that, okay? That's the entirety of Genesis, and we see that all throughout Scripture. But also blessing. This idea of blessing is something that's really confusing for us. Because we think that because I have air conditioning in my home, hashtag blessed, like that's what we think, okay? But the reality is that blessing is more than that. In fact, according to scripture, what we see, and we're going to see that a little bit today, is that the idea of beginnings and blessings is this concept of good things being passed on. So more than that, what we're going to see throughout Scripture is is that the idea of things beginning and also things being blessed, we're actually going to see that we were created. Humanity was created to be blessing, to receive blessing, but also to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the world, to the earth, and to the people that they come in contact with. And that is the overarching concept of Genesis, is that God partnered with us partners with us, wants us, desires us to not only receive blessing in relationship with him, but to be that, to pass it along to those we come in contact with. So keep that in the back of your mind as we go throughout scripture today. So without further ado, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now before we read this passage of scripture, I just want to kind of give a little bit of um, a comment here for a second. There may be individuals in the room today who have read this passage of Scripture and struggle with what you read. There may be others in the room who you have grown up and all your life you have heard this taught and the the creation account of the six days and however that, how that the Scripture teaches it. And for some of you in the room, it's not a struggle for you at all. In fact, you know it, you believe it, and you say this is exactly how it happened. What I would say to you is this. There are individuals in the room, maybe, who struggle with the idea of its literal nature, of the way that the creation account is told, particularly if you don't come from a church background, or maybe you have more of an analytical or scientific mind, and you struggle with the idea of this story. What I would say to you is this, just like we said a few weeks ago with the story of Jonah, is that if you get hung up, And this is for both of us, for any of us in the room who either struggle with the literal nature of it or who have, who, who, who feel as though it is literal and, and feel like that it's a frustration for the, for you when you see other people who struggle with that and call themselves people of faith or Christians. Wherever you are in the room today and whatever you believe about this particular passage, whether it's literal or figurative, what I would say to you is that if you are hung up on those details, you are missing the point. Okay, The point of this passage of scripture, the point of the entire book of Genesis is not necessarily to literally tell you how the world was formed in six days or not. The point of the entire book of Genesis is ultimately to explore, expose to us who God is, what he thinks about us, and the essence behind the entire book. If we are focused on the literal or non-literal nature of what you read, you will miss it. 
You will miss the point that God loves you, that he created us for a purpose to be in relationship with him. And if you're hung up on this space, whether you believe it's literal or not, you will miss what God is trying to say to you this entire summer. And I don't want that for you. What I really want for you is to be able to open your heart to the message that is between the lines so that God can speak to you about who he is and what he has for us as a humanity, as people. Now, as a caveat to that, before we begin reading specifically, what I would say to you is this. If you would like to talk to me about the specifics of you struggle whether you think it's literal or not, I would love to sit down and talk to you about that because I have my own thoughts, my own study, my own belief about that. And I would love to have a conversation with you about it. And I would love for you, as you go through this entire month and throughout this series, throughout the summer, in your life groups, to ask these questions, to get connected to a life group, and to talk to other people about this so you can wrestle and struggle with these very things. That's why we are here together. So whatever you believe about these particular passages, that's for a topic for conversation. What I want for all of us today is to open our hearts to hear from God today. He is God with us after all, and he wants to speak to us. So let's get past whether or not you believe it is literal or not and hear what God would say to us through it. Okay? Can we all agree to do that today? Excellent. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and it was empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. Then God said, let, the expanse, let there be an expanse between the waters separating, from, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse, and it was so, and God called that expanse sky. Evening came, and then morning, the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let this, the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed, and according to their kinds, and it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate from the day from the night, and they will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years, and they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, which we know as the sun, and the lesser light to rule over the night, the moon, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth to rule the day and the night and to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. You see a pattern emerging here? God blessed them. Remember what we said a few minutes ago about beginnings and blessings. 
God blessed them, saying to them, blessing, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and then the morning, the fifth day. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And then God blessed them. And God said to them with a blessing, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And listen to this. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day. And that ends chapter one. And before we read parts of chapter two, I just want a quick thought. Did you notice the pattern here? That the beginnings, the creation, the moments of where God created something and then he said it was good. He affirmed what it was. He affirmed the nature that this is a good thing. And then those things that he created, he blessed them, passed it along and said, this is something that I want you to participate in, to have, to enjoy joy to be blessed by, but to share it, to include others with it. And this is the pattern that we're going to see all throughout Genesis, throughout this summer. And it continues today. When we talk at church about being followers of Jesus and receiving healing and life and the the birth that comes within us, the creation of new life, right? All of those things, and we always say what? It's not meant to be lived once. It's meant to be given and shared and blessed and to pour out to other people. We see it beginning here in Genesis. God saw that it was good. I created it, and it is good indeed. And then he blesses and says, do something with it. Creative and blessed at the same time. We see that that, ready to be passed on. So we're going to read chapter two, and we're going to skip a bit, and then we're just going to take a few minutes to have some comments, and then we're going to be done for the day. Here we go. Chapter two, verse one says, and now we're going to kind of see a specific moment in the creation story. So the first chapter is this high level idea of how the universe came to be. Chapter two is now specifically relating to, you know, humanity. Okay. So it says this, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Skip down to verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in the Eden, in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man that he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. If it's underlined, by the way, that means we're going to come back to it later and it's important. 
Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any free tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For one, on the day that you eat it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each one to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, just like any guy does when he sees the one that he is supposed to be with for the rest of his life, this one at last is bone of my bone. That's what I said to Heather the first time I saw her. Man, flesh of my flesh. How romantic. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. And verse 25 is very important. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet they felt no shame. All right. That was a lot of scripture. Thank you guys for your patience and reading along. Sometimes I think it's just important to make sure that we know exactly what the passage says because for some of us, it might even be the first time we've ever actually read it all the way through. And that's great that we're doing this together. All right, so what happens here in the first two chapters is that we see ultimately this picture of of Scripture that teaches kind of the idea of where we came from as a people, that God was involved. God was intimately involved in the creation of humanity. Again, whether it's literal or figurative is not the point, the point of the story is that God is involved and he cares about each one of us. He knows who we are and he created us for a purpose. Beyond that, that we see that he creates things. He is he's involved in giving things and starting things. God is a creator. That's who he is. He doesn't just start something and move away. A lot of people think that God is like, there's this concept of deism, that God is just a creator of something and he spins the earth on a top and he walks away and watches it fall, watches it descend into chaos. And that is not what we see in the Bible. We see that God is involved, that God cares, that he knows, that he wants to know us and he wants us to be involved. There are instructions on how we should interact with God and we see that in the first two chapters are filled with who God is, with his characteristics, but also what he wants for us. And we see this idea. And so if you're taking notes, here's the foundation of the message today. Write this down. Is that the creation story shows us God's intention for relationship and blessing. That's what we see. Again, if you're hung up on the details of whether God literally created the earth in six days or not, you are missing the point. The point of Scripture is the creation story shows us that God's intention is for relationship and for blessing. We see it all throughout. God was involved with who we are. He's involved with the details of what the earth and the sky is like. He specifically speaks to the animals and speaks to people and says to them what they should be doing and who we are in relationship to him. And we see that further developed throughout the book of Genesis as we'll get into in the coming weeks. But it's clear that the intention of the story of creation is not to prove a history. It's really to show God's intention 
for relationship and for blessing. And so I've got uh, just five quick comments about what we see in Scripture from this story that maybe you've never even seen before. Maybe you've never even considered it before. I grew up in church all my life, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone teach specifically from this passage the things we're going to talk about today. What is it that we were created for? Remember, we asked that question, what is the book of Genesis about? Well, it's about who God created us to be and what he created us for. And so out of the passage of Scripture, particularly in chapter 2, we're going to see right now a few things of what we were created for. Number one, we were created to be caretakers. Caretakers. Verse 15 says the Lord God took the man and did what? Placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. If any of you have ever wondered if there is a place in Scripture that says that we should care about God's earth, here we go. Right here, we see in the book of Genesis right away that God created us to take care of the planet that he created for us. And it drives me nuts when I see Christians driving around, you know, in cars that are just pouring awful fumes into our planet. Now, I'm not one of those guys that, like, is an ultra green individual, okay? I did make a choice recently to change my electric supplier over to, like, a wind-powered thing because I think I want to try to do what I can. The point, though, here is that it bothers me when I see Christians who say, well, God's going to create a new earth anyway, so what does it matter? No, that's not what we see in Scripture. God created humanity to part with him and taking care of something that he saw as precious. All throughout Genesis 1 and 2, what does it say? He saw that it was good, right? It was good. He made the earth and he made the trees and the water and the oceans and the skies. And, and he says it was good. And then he tells the humanity to take care of it, to multiply, to fill it, to use it, to be a part of it, to connect with it. So first and foremost, what are we created for? Is to be caretakers of this beautiful thing that God has created. Recently, Recently, I've been watching on Instagram a, uh, a friend of mine who has been traveling with his family across the country. He's taken a couple of months off, and he's traveling with his family to some of the most beautiful places in the, in the country. Play, guys, like our own nation, the United States, is filled with incredible sights of God's creation. One of the places he was just at was uh, Zion National Park or State Park, I'm not sure. And the scenery that he put on his feed was incredible, just breathtaking. Another friend of mine was on an airplane in Hawaii. They moved to Hawaii not too long ago, and she was taking a trip from one island to the other and seeing an up and up above view of the Hawaiian islands below. It's incredible, the majesty of the world that God has created for us right in our backyard. And yet, as hum humanity, we destroy it, right? And, and I believe that that grieves God's heart. What we see in Scripture is for us to use it, to take care of it, and to be caretakers of it. Now, again, I'm not talking about being a hippie. I'm not talking about not, you know, buying clothing from, from factories. I'm not talking necessarily about those things. And each of us does have to make a decision about, about whether we can be uh, good conscious stewards of that and what, what that lies in and how we spend our money. And I, I agree with that. All I'm saying is, is that we need to become first and foremost individuals who at least acknowledge that God has crawled us and created us to be caretakers of his planet, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing that we're created for is to be protected and free. We have been created to be protected and free. Check this out. Verse 17 says, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. And a lot of people read this passage of Scripture to be like that God was just mean. 
And then he was holding out a carrot, right, with like just dangling in front of us saying, hey, I put this thing over here, you can't have it. Like, why would anyone do that? You know, I mean, I remember growing up feeling that was the case. Like God put a big birthday cake on the counter and said, don't eat it. You know, or took me to the candy shop and and said, look at all this great candy. No, we're not buying any today. Like, that's what I grew up thinking. But it's the wrong perspective of creation. What God did was created this entire world, filled it, and said, this is everything for you. I've created all of it. It is good. It is wonderful. Participate in it. Eat it. Be a part of it. Give it. Pass it along. And in that creation includes something that's just not for you. It's not for you, and it's designed to teach us something, is that we were never meant to bear the brunt of creation. We were never meant as human beings to be the individuals that had to have it all figured out. There is freedom being a child, right? Children don't have to have to worry about paying the bills. Children don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to be able to afford their rent payment or their mortgage or their car payment. They don't have to figure out where the food is coming from, right? They don't have to deal with all of those things. But what happened in the moment where we, where Scripture teaches where sin came into the world is ultimately it became, began, began this space where we now became the caretakers and ultimately became the individuals who are responsible to have to worry about all those things. We took the place of God in that moment. And so instead of us looking at the tree in that one moment of being this place where God was a jerk to us, instead the reality is is that the picture of it is there to design to teach us that we were never, we were created to never even have to worry about it in the first place. Ever. We were supposed to just enjoy it. We were supposed to like be on vacation like all the time. Like, that's kind of the idea, is just enjoy this beautiful space. In fact, we'll learn about it next week when the fall of man concept that happens in chapter 3, that part of the result of them eating this fruit that ultimately opened this world of having to take the pressure and the weight of all of this means that work now, because it says take care of it, right? Take care. He placed man in the garden to till it, to take care of it. But then in chapter 3, we see that it becomes a problem. It becomes a frustration. So work itself, enjoying and participating, Participating and caretaking is not work. It's not, it's not meant to be a task that is hard and, 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 and burdensome. But because we took it upon ourselves ultimately to take on something that was never meant to be ours, now life becomes hard and becomes frustrating, and becomes difficult, and all the worries and all the shame and all the guilt and all of those weights are pressing down on us and we were never meant to bear it. So in what we see in Genesis is not only that we're we called or created to be caretakers, but we were created to be protected and free. Freedom meant just not having to worry. And I can tell you that I have not been living free for a long time because we are born into this space. You and I, maybe you feel the same way. You and I have been born into a place of where we naturally have the weight of the world on our shoulders. And we look and see in the picture of creation that ultimately we were never meant to experience that. And the beauty of Jesus Christ, the beauty of salvation that we see throughout Scripture and ultimately in the New Testament is that when we begin a relationship with Christ, he then tells us that we can take that burden off and we can live free again, free from worry, free from that stress, free from those doubts and from those fears. And it's a choice that we have to make every day. But we can get back to that place that we were created for when we... Follow Jesus. Number three, we see in Genesis that we were created for relationship. 
Verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone and I will make a helper to correspond to him. Right away we see in scripture that we are relational beings, that that we were created to be in community, to, to, to have communication and conversation and, and to, to experience intimacy with each other. And that can be friends or it can be with like lovers, right? The idea of, of that we were designed to be relational beings with our creator. We'll see later again in, in scripture and other chapters that, 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 that God speaks directly and, and then Adam and Eve, they talk back to God in conversation. And we'll see that throughout the book of Genesis, we see that, that there was a community and a relationship in the garden and that it can't be met with things and it can't even be met with other species or other animals. Like we love to think that our dogs, you know, man's best friend, and I love my dog, but certainly there's just only certain things that he can give me. Gizmo, my dog, can't meet the certain intimate types of, of relationship needs that I have with, with my wife or with my kids. I, can't, I can sit down and I can cuddle with my dog, you know, or I can go to the park or to the zoo and I can enjoy those creatures, but they don't have the ability to meet me emotionally like another human being does. And we see in scripture that we were designed, we were created for relationship. And that's why we put such an emphasis on it here at our church. One of our core values is relationships first. We see all throughout scripture that we were designed to know other people, to have fellowship and relationship with other people. So we're always looking to create opportunities, to create spaces for people to not feel alone, to feel as though they are seen, to see that people, that when you walk into a room, that people see who you are. They love you for who you are. They care about you. That's why we have life groups is to get in, involved in relationships so you can walk along life with each other. And if you're not in a life group, you're missing out. I'm telling you, get into a relationship with other people in, 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 in life groups and, and grow with each other in our faith and, and eat together and have fun together and carry each other's burdens and laugh together. That is what we were created for, relationships. I encourage you to join a life group. I encourage you to come to food day after church. I encourage you to sign up for our baseball game and to come to the picnics and to go to the beach day. All of these things are designed not just to keep us busy, but seriously for us to build relationships with each other because we were created for relationships. We see that in Genesis. We see that we were created to be caretakers created to be protected by God and free from, from the, the, the weight and the pressure of being God, created for relationship. Number four, we were also created for intimacy. I love this, that at the end of, of the chapter, verse 25, it says, both the man and his wife were naked, and yet they felt no shame. This is probably the greatest picture of intimacy in Scripture. Because you know, just as much as I do, particularly in a married relationship, that that moment when you can be completely vulnerable with each other and not feel shame is the most, the most crystallized version of intimacy. And we see that right here in this passage of Scripture that says this is what it was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be like that all human beings were meant to have such connection and that the things that divide us now, money, you know, our, our body sizes, the color of our skin or the color of our hair, you know, the jobs that we have, the places that we live, our fears, our doubts, our decisions, our mistakes, all of these things that keep us from intimacy with each other. We see that's not the case in Genesis. We were created to, to look at someone for who they are. Remember it said that God created man in his own image. And God is perfect. God is glorious. He's majestic. He's wonderful. And he created human beings 
to be aspects of who he is, to be this wonderful display of different concepts and, and aspects of God's character. And the idea was is that when you came across another human being who was created in God's image, you didn't see all of these divisions and dividing lines and labels that we now have on each other. We were designed, created by God for intimacy with each other. And that's why there's such an emphasis in Christianity on the marriage relationship, because it is the picture of what God has in mind for all humanity to have a relationship of intimacy with him. And it's seen that way through the marriage relationship. The closest amount of intimacy is when you can completely expose yourself emotionally, physically, and be with another person and not feel guilt, not feel shame, and be vulnerable and not be afraid and not have those doubts and insecurities. That's what God created us for. And so when we have our life groups and when we have food day and when we go to places together and whatever those moments are, we're trying to create moments for you to realize it's okay to put your guard down. It's okay because we're God's people and we love each other and we want to have that relationship with God, but we also want to have that community with each other. Do you see how it all begins in Genesis? Everything starts here. The seeds, the origins of the things that we do every Sunday, the things that we talk about over and over and over again, they start in Genesis. Everything starts there. We were created for intimacy with God and created with intimacy with each other. And finally, we were created to receive and deliver blessing. We see that all throughout, to receive and to deliver blessing. God made it and God saw that it was good. And then he blessed it and he said, take it, pass it along. Everything that was here is designed for us to show other people that they don't have to be alone, that they don't have to have all those weights on their shoulders, that they can have authentic, intimate relationships with other people, right? That we can know our God, that he loves us. And we've received that. Most of us in the room are, are walking in that every day, and, and, and it's given us hope, right? We've found a relationship with Jesus, and it has established something inside of us that isn't possible anywhere else. For some of us in the room, we have walked a lot of paths searching for that feeling and never found it until we found Jesus. And what the point of Genesis is the beginning of this moment where he's saying, I have blessed you with salvation. I've blessed you with goodness. I've blessed you with intimacy. I've blessed you with relationship. I've blessed you with protection. I've I've blessed you with freedom, and now I want you to bless others. Let them experience it. Pass it along. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to begin to see how, how population spread, and ultimately we're going to see Noah, and then ultimately into to Abraham. And God speaks to this man Abraham and says to him, I want you to be a blessing through all nations. I will bless all nations through you again. See this concept. God speaks and begins something with one and then spreads it out to another through that person over and over and over again. We'll see that. And that's what God wants for us, to be receiving of blessing and then to bless other people. If we can get this concept as Christians that God wants to bless us in order to be a blessing to other people, we will get, begin to see God working in us in exciting ways. A lot of us, and I'm going to close with this. A lot of us feel like our faith is stagnant or stale, you know? And the reason for that is because we were never designed to, to collect all of God's blessing and hold it for ourselves. In fact, I heard about this, and you may have heard this too. Did you know that the, the Dead Sea is full of salt? 
And the reason that everything around it is dead, even though salt is a nourishment, is a nutrient, is because it has no outlet. So all of the river pours into the Dead Sea, and all of the salt that is good, right? Jesus said we are to be the salt of the earth, to, to sprinkle on and to, to, to give seasoning and to give life, right? Salt actually helps things and, and the nutrients and creates and vibrant, creates life. But in the case where it just collects in an area, nothing lives. All the fish in the water die. Everything is dead because it collects. However, there is another body of water where the same amount of salt comes in but has an outlet and it is an incredibly fertile area. And that is the concept that we are teaching here. The idea is that we are to receive the blessing of God in our life. We are to receive it, but also to allow it to flow through us. So I would say to you, if you feel like your relationship with God is stale, I would ask you, are you being a blessing to others? Are you allowing the blessing that God has poured into your life to be flowed out to other people? I would ask if our church is doing that. If our church is dry, if our church is stale, are we being a blessing to our city, to our community, to our world? Are we being carriers of hope to our nation, to our city, to our neighborhoods, to, our other, to other nations around the world? Are we doing that? And this is the question that I believe Genesis is asking. If we ask the question, what is Genesis about? And what are we created for? I believe that what it is showing us is the origins of who we are as Christians, but ultimately is showing a picture of everything points the way to Jesus and ultimately to the body of Christ and what our purpose on this earth is. To receive God's blessing, to know him, to receive from him, to be healed by him, but ultimately then to turn it around and to allow that blessing to flow out of us and into the world so that other people can receive it as well. And so I'm excited for this summer series. I encourage you to read through Genesis on your own, chapter a day. Just read a chapter a day. If you skip a, week, a day, that's fine. Just read two. Just, it's okay. I just want you to follow along because I believe that you're going to see things you've never seen before. And then we're going to touch on some topics that maybe you're like, I'm not sure what that means. And we'll probably talk about it at church. And if we don't ask, we'll talk. It's okay. And we'll talk about it at life groups. It's going to be great. But we're going to see what we were created for, that God is creating a new kind of person. That he's creating a new people. That he wants to do new things. And ultimately, here we are today because of everything that happened in Genesis. Would you stand with me and we're going to close in prayer. Father God, we read the origin story of our faith in the book of Genesis. I thank you that you have showed us who we are and what you've created us for, the beginnings of those things. I pray that over this entire summer that we would have our hearts open, our minds would be open, that we would hear from you, that we would see your words so clearly woven throughout the texts of Scripture, that your spirit would flow like wind into our hearts, into our minds that as we read the words, they would jump off the page to us. I pray that you would draw us to your word, that you would give us an excitement, to give us a hunger to read the book of Genesis this month, this, this summer as a church. I thank you that we were created to be caretakers. 
I ask that you would help each of us to have a renewed commitment to taking care of this beautiful planet that you've created for us. And God, if there are things that each one of us can do or things that we should stop doing, I pray that you would speak to us on those things. You would convict our hearts, that we would not judge each other, but that we would solely listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit telling us what you have for us and for this beautiful planet and this universe that you've created. God, I pray that you would help us to be caretakers. I pray that you would help us to live free and to see that the weights that we carry every day, the struggles that we carry, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the labels, all the things that divide us from each other, God, that you would help break those things off in Jesus' name. I pray, I pray against fear. I pray against the weights that hold us down and that we would stop trying to figure it all out, but instead look to our dad, look to our father in heaven and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm trusting that you do. This was never meant for me. God, would you give us a childlike faith again? Give us a childlike faith to just trust in you and to allow you to show us what life was meant to be like. I pray that you would bring relationships and intimacy into our lives, God, that you would break down walls between us. God, and if there is fear, if there are things holding us back from, uh, from deep relationships with other people, I pray that you, would, that you would softly pull those walls down. That when we have opportunities to speak to each other and to let other people in, that you would allay those fears and that we would be trustworthy individuals, that we would speak with love for each other, that we would have intimacy with each other that the things that divide us, that those things will be removed in Jesus' name. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would shine light in our hearts on the areas of division in this church, areas of division in relationships with our family members, with our friends and our coworkers. God, we want to be honest before you. And if those areas, they're hard, sometimes there are years and years of, 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 of sitting there and accumulating. God, I, we give you permission to break them. We give you permission to tear down those walls of division so that we can have unity with each other, unity and, and intimacy with each other and with you. God, the things that are keeping us from you, holding us back from you, holding us from a relationship with you, from vibrancy with you, we pray that you would break them and that you would bring us to a desire to know you more and that you would reveal yourself to us. And finally, God, I ask that you would give each one of us an insight into how you have been blessing us. As you call each one of us good, you look at us and you say, I've created you and I see that you are good. And the things that he has given us, guys, it is good. We thank you for your blessing, God. We thank you for your love. And now we ask that you would help us to be very mindful and intentional of passing on and to being a conduit for what you have given us. Let us be a blessing to our world, to our community. Unite us in that front in Jesus' name. And we ask as we move into this whole summer, God, that you would open our eyes to see what you would say to us, speak to us, and guide us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.